Division Sunday. Thank you. Can I get that little table, please? Thanks very much. Sorry. Thank you. So everyone well? Yes. Welcome to Vision Sunday. Let me have a look at you. Look who's here on Vision Sunday. Fantastic. It's just great. All right. Oh, thank you. You even poured it out for me. That's nice. Paul, you're a good boy and you're single, aren't you? Look at that. A man who will help around the house. All right. Come on, girls. What's going on? So, you know, that video really does something to my spirit. The reason is, is that like what Vision Sunday is today isn't something that's just happened in a vacuum. This is something that God has been speaking to us and putting in our spirit for a while now. And it does something in my heart. I I believe that prophetic declaration breaks the yoke. So I want you to say with me, fruit. Fruit. More fruit. More fruit. Much fruit. Everlasting fruit. So I want you to do one thing again, but this time I'm not going to say, I'm just going to go like this. I want you to say, Fruit, more fruit, much fruit, everlasting fruit. Oh, that is fantastic. Say one more time. Oh, I feel like a school teacher. You have been so good. You know, 2023 actually has a very simple vision. It's fruitfulness. We are going to be a fruitful church this year. Right now in our church, there's a hunger. There is a stirring, right? Our hearts and our lives are actually being resurrected. Things dead inside of people are slowly being resurrected and coming back to life. People stuck are getting unstuck. Right perspectives of the kingdom of God are happening in people's hearts in that there's a sense that God isn't just there to meet our needs, but there is a purpose that God has for us. Now, to be honest, we've actually seen so much fruit this year. And I believe that this will be a year of firsts. And already, even though it's only midway through uh, February, we've already seen so much. Right? This, you, think, you think about this, the fruit that we've seen. We did our very first week of prayer and fasting. And we didn't just pick any week. We picked the first week of the year, a year when you're normally resting and feasting. I asked you to fast and I asked you to pray. And people got behind it. Many people fasted for the first time. Many people fasted again for the, since for a long time. Many people decided that they were going to do one day, two days, and lots of people fasted the whole week. It was wonderful. We did our devotions at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Many of you got on board with that. Then we also did prayer meetings every night at different locations, and it was great. So what was the result of that? Just in the last couple of times, this is what's happened. Since then, we had our biggest prayer meeting ever in the history of the church. When Pastor Russell was here, we had the biggest single meeting ever in the history of the church. A few weeks ago, on a normal Sunday without any guest speakers at all, we had the biggest Sunday in attendance ever in the history of the church, right? We had our biggest ever offering outside of a, a, a provision for the vision offering. So how good is that? I was happy with that, right? Moray Field has regularly been seeing over 200, and Red Cliff is at his biggest numbers in years. We restarted our missions trip, and you're going to hear about that because it was just phenomenal as we went over there to Cambodia. We had our night to shine. How 
great was our night to shine. And well done, team. I just want to say so many stories out of Night to Shine, and I, I, I could share them. I just want, I just want to share two that just that did my heart something fantastic. You know, there, there was a there was a lady here, and, and she really wanted to be a uh, a buddy, but through some circumstances, she felt that she wasn't going to be able to do that. But we really needed her to to, to be able to do that, even though she had some real issues, not just fake issues, some real issues. But she decided to be a buddy anyway, and she sat with a lady in a wheelchair. And this lady in the wheelchair hasn't been out of her home for one year. And she came to a night to shine. I just kind of, it was just for that lady, I think it was worth it. It was just, just amazing, right? To see the people walking down the, the red carpet, right? One of my favorites was this guy who just thought he was in the WWE, right? And he's doing all the moves. And then he did the Undertaker move at the end. It was just awesome. But then there was this one lady And she sat at the back. And you could tell that her life has been difficult because of the things that she's facing. And she sat at the back. And she's got a little backpack on because, you know, she's always got to be ready for what could might happen. And, and, you know, it's not just easy, right? It's just not like we'll just sit and forget. No, every time. Anything could happen at any time. And she sat at the back and she watched her daughter dance. She watched her daughter just have a good time. She watched her daughter do what? Everyone else's daughter's doing all the time. And she sat there, and the joy that was on her face, the, the look that was on her face was just fantastic. And that's what Night to Shine did. It made people smile. It put a smile on people's hearts. And I want to thank you, church, because you got together in record numbers. Right? In record numbers. We had 186 volunteers on the night. That's phenomenal. That is phenomenal. And it wasn't just the young adults or the youth or the seniors. It was everyone. It wasn't just Warner or or Moravid or Redcliffe. It was everyone. And I do want to say thank you. You know, our youth and young adults department have had incredible starts. So it's been an incredible start to the year. So say with me again. That's our vision for this year. 2023 will be a fruitful year. Now, to be honest, we don't change our vision every year. God's not a flip-flopper, right? He doesn't just change his vision because there's a calendar change, right? There's a date change. Emerge Church's vision will always be the same, and it can be summed up in one sentence. Emerge Church will endeavor to make disciples of Christ whose lives example Jesus and make the teachings of Jesus attractive. That's our vision. That'll always be our vision. That's why we exist. That's what we want to do. We can put all the things that we do into that vision. Tonight, Nina's going to tell you an amazing testimony, just that perfectly examples that vision. It's a pretty simple vision, to be honest. But really what it does is it gives us a plumb line. So all of our decisions the things that we want to do, the directions that we take, where we're going as a church, the the decisions that we make at board meeting and in staff meeting, they come along that plumb line. Does it fit to that? If it does, yes, we're going to go ahead. If it doesn't, no, we're not going to do that. So the purpose of Vision Sunday is not to change the whole church vision or direction, 
but to focus on what God wants us to focus on this year. What does God want to highlight this year? See, I believe that God gives us a focus or focus point each year. He highlights something, something that will encourage us, something that will strengthen us. But what he knows is about to come. But what he knows is going to occur. And so this vision focus or highlighted truth will always have a measure of faith for us to attain. When God thinks about your future, there's always faith married to that. It has to be faith because we're called to walk by faith, not by sight. So what happens, even though we have the larger vision for the whole church, God says, but this year, this is what I want you to focus on, but it's going to take some faith. There's going to be some faith required to see this happen. It's God's way to get us to walk by faith and not by sight. See, God wants us to walk by faith into our future. He doesn't want you just to exist. He doesn't want you just to go through the motions this year. He doesn't want you just to get to the end of the year and go, oh, good, I survived. Right? That's not his heart for this year. He wants you to thrive and to help you thrive, he gives vision. He gives you something to aspire to, something to live for, some reason to get up, something to line your life up against. It's something to always motivate you to put your kingdom, to put his kingdom first, not your kingdom. That's what vision does. Vision in the kingdom of God makes me decide I'm going to do what God wants me to do, not what I want to do. And so that's what I'm trying to do today is stir something in your spirit. See, take this message this morning. Receive this message because it will be a weapon for you all year. So you need to understand this. The whole church vision is our plumb line. That's where we're going. That's what we line everything up against. But our yearly vision is the weapon, is the sword, is the catapult, whatever weapon you want to choose, is what God puts in your hand so that we can over, so we can see the overall vision of the church come to pass. Let me illustrate it to you. So many times last year, when I was tempted to get a bit overwhelmed, when I was tempted to get a bit fearful, when I was tempted to, to kind of like want to shrink back, I remember that our word for last year, the vision for last year was to proclaim and declare. So instead of getting overwhelmed by those things, the circumstances, the fear, whatever it was that was touching me or hitting me at that time, I decided I'm going to prophesy. I'm going to declare those words that God has put over my life. And all of a sudden, instead of being bowed down, I'm lifted up. I'm lifted up. And God did something. So we would start to claim and declare and it became a weapon. Yeah. So our weapon this year will be fruit, more fruit, much fruit, everlasting fruit. So today my goal is to stir something in your spirit Good. that faith will attach itself to. Right. And that with that faith, you walk into and our church you walk into our God-given calling and plan. So to say that I'm excited about 2023 is an understatement. I'm going to pray. Father, I ask as I unpack this word that you would help me, O Lord. Father, I pray that you would take the things I'm about to say 
and make them weapons in people's lives, weapons that they're going to use to see your kingdom, Father, come to the fore this year, oh God, that are going to strengthen, they're going to encourage, oh God. Father, everyone will have a different weapon. Everyone will have something else that they will take, but I pray, let it be something that you can use, oh God. I just want to be the vehicle by which it comes, but Father, you bring the power to it. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I always back up everything that I do for vision and, and those things in a scripture. I always believe that God gives us a scripture. And this year, the scripture that I have is just 16 words long. It comes from John 15, and it's verse 16, and it's going to come up on the screen. It says this, You didn't choose me. I chose you, and I appointed you to go and produce lasting, and everyone said? Fruit. You're going to produce fruit. We've been called, we've been chosen and appointed to go and produce lasting fruit. So I feel like, really, that's it. Go home now. That's the vision. Go and produce fruit. But I like to talk, so I'm going to keep talking. So we're going to just unpack that a little bit and have a little bit of a look at John 15 as well. So Jesus says in this verse, we didn't choose him. It's a pretty kind of confronting statement, really. We didn't choose him. We didn't choose this Christian life. This Christian life, this life chose us. Everyone here this morning could be doing something else. You could be playing golf. You could be doing something with your kids. You could be on a camping trip. You could be uh, jet skiing. You could be watching TV. You could be sleeping. You could be doing something else. You could be doing something different Yet you chose to be here. And we feel like it's our choice. But the scripture says here, we didn't actually choose. God did the choosing. God chose us and then we consented. That's why you're here today. The first initial action was God coming to you and then you consented. You received Christ. He came into your heart and took over your life. You decided that God's plan for your life was better than your plan for your life, but the chosenness comes from God. It's God's anointing that he placed upon you that gets you chosen. It's pretty stark. We didn't choose. We just consented God did the choosing. God chose us. And that's why pride is such a stench in God's nostrils. Pride makes it look like we chose God, so God should be grateful to us. But it's God who did the choosing. We just consented. We, God, we, God shouldn't be grateful to you for coming to church this morning. It's not like you did God a favor. That's not kingdom thinking. Yeah. We're grateful to God. God is not grateful to us. God loves us. Kingdom thinking is knowing and living like you know that you were bought with a price yeah. and that your life is not your own. And to be honest, I think is one of the missing truths that is happening in Western Christianity. Somehow that God is there for our needs, where the opposite is actually true. We're here to meet God's plan for our life. You didn't choose me. 
I chose you. Very challenging words. It protects our unity. It's actually wonderful. It protects our unity. God chose the person next to you. God chose the him. God chose her. It wasn't Mark or Nina. It was God. So that's how we uh, do and, and it should affect how we deal with others. God chose them. Well, I better work with them. I better be for them because being against them makes me against God's choice. It protects our unity because it stops me thinking that I'm better or more necessary than someone else. I might be the senior pastor of this church. You heard me say it a thousand times, but I'm not better than anyone. I'm just doing the role that God's asked me to do. Right? I'm not, I'm not more necessary than anyone else. I might have more weight to my decisions, but I'm not actually more necessary. I'm just the one that God has chosen at this time to be doing this. It works on a church level. We as Emerge Church have been chosen by God, not by man. Emerge Church didn't start when Mark Cavallaro and Lena Cavallaro got a, a, a vision in their heart to go and start the church. No, it was always God's idea. It didn't start when, when James Hewitt came to me and said, why don't we come together and, and two churches become one church in two locations. Right? That wasn't James Hewitt's idea. That was God's idea. It wasn't my idea to say, why don't we go and start Morayfield? It's a place that needs a, a great church. Why don't we go and do that? That wasn't my idea. That was God's idea. God does the choosing. Yeah. A merged church has been chosen by God to build his kingdom. But this is the great thing. This is the freeing thing. This is good news. If we're chosen by God, and it's not us choosing God, it means that God has the ultimate responsibility. If God chose me, and it wasn't me choosing him, then I have heaven's authority, I have heaven's approval, I have heaven's backup, I have heaven's wisdom, I have heaven's powers, and I have all of heaven's resources. That's why I can be sure of... Three. Come on, be better than that. That's why I can be sure of... We are all ridiculously resourced to do what God has for us to yeah. do. Some of us haven't fully realized the resources that heaven has for you or haven't fully realized how to access them. You've been doing so much yourself, not understanding that it's in the abiding of the vine, abiding in Jesus, that's how you move from fruit to more fruit to much fruit to everlasting fruit. And I believe that this year God is going to lead you to fully realize what's available to you if you're willing to abide in the vine. And I, and I just, as a prophesy, I prophesy some of you are going to come to me and go, I can't believe how much God has to me and how much God has resourced me in making me who I am. See, we didn't choose this destiny for ourselves, for a merged church. God has chosen us. And then it goes on to say, and this is Jesus speaking, he says, I appointed you to go. So God has chosen us and now he's appointed us. God has appointed us. We've been commissioned, appointed. We have a responsibility to undertake, right? The appointing, I appoint Jason as the youth pastor. So on some Friday afternoon, if I ring him up and I said, oh, how's youth going tonight? He goes, I, I don't think I'm going to go tonight. There's a really good footy match I want to watch. 
Right? Hey, buddy, right? Your role is the youth pastor. Please be at youth, right? I think I have a right to expect that he's going to go to youth and not watch a football match, even though, even if youth wasn't on, I don't think Jason would be watching a football match. He'd be playing his guitar somewhere. See, God has chosen a merged church and God has appointed a merged church. We have a role to fulfill and a job to do. As I've said before, it's God who's done it. It's not Mark or Nina. It's God. So do you know what God has appointed you to do? See, that adds extra weight to it. See, if you disappoint me, though that's probably not great, it's not completely terrible. But disappointing God is actually sad because it means a missed opportunity. It's sad for you because God is not selfish just wanting his pound of flesh. Just come, come on, come on, come on. That's not God. When he chooses us and appoints us, it's because he's got something good for us. He has our best in mind. Heaven has something for us. So if you look at the two words in the Greek, the word chosen and the word appointed, it gives you a couple of pictures. The Greek word for chosen gives the thought of that we are the choice part, meaning that when God chose us, he knew we would be best for what he wanted for us. The choice part is how I look at this. I have a friend of mine right now who's into like doing meat on the barbecue. And he's always putting up these pictures of these massive tomahawk steaks. And it does kind of like how it's going. And it's yum. That's exactly right, Rob. It's just, I just look at this. If you're a vegan or a vegetarian here, just turn off now, right? But it's just choice. And I look at this thing and I look at this kind of tomahawk steak. I'm too scabby to buy one, right, myself, to be honest, right? But because they're very expensive, right? But I just look at it and when it's finished, oh, it's choice. That's how God looks at you. Like I look at a tomahawk steak, right? <laughs> Daniel just thinks he hates me. No, right? <laughs> he loves you. He look at it like a, I don't know. A cauliflower. No. <laughs> I mean to you. I mean, forgive me. Uh, the Greek word for the pointed gives the thought of setting into place, like the setting of a table. Each utensil has its right place. Each utensil has its right purpose. So God sees us as the choice part, but he's also set us in a place where we're going to be used for right purpose. Ever tried to drink your soup with your knife? Right? It ain't going to work. Right? And God's put the soup there with the spoon, and he wants you to use the spoon. You are the chosen, and then you are appointed. You have been set as a whole. You're my choice, and I have a set place for you. And that's all good. And a great foundation, but that's not the exciting part. The exciting part is that when God chooses us, when God appoints us, he appoints us to go. He appoints us to go somewhere. We're chosen and appointed to go. The kingdom of God is about going somewhere. The kingdom of God is never static. The kingdom of God is never stagnant. The kingdom of God is something that's in motion. Immersed church is going somewhere, we have yet to achieve all that God has purposed for us. 
We are chosen and appointed to go. And this is where it's exciting. And this is where we need to exercise our faith. We've been chosen to go somewhere. We're on the move. This isn't the best it's going to be. We are going somewhere. And we're chosen and appointed to go and bear lasting fruit. Look at what it says. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. That's 2023, chosen, appointed to go. And where are we going? We are going to bear lasting fruit. And we're going to get to that a little bit later. So 2023 is going to be a year of Fantastic. John 15, the whole chapter is a great chapter, by the way. And it would be great if you just, in your own reading this week, just read it. It's a fantastic chapter. Jesus is actually speaking at the end of his, of his time on earth. This is in the last few weeks of Jesus' life. So pretty much from, from John 14 onwards, you, you just see it's the last weeks. It's, it's, it's so much. We're about to go to Jerusalem and we think Jesus was always in Jerusalem. It's really only in the last weeks. Jesus wasn't much in Jerusalem. That's why we're going to spend a lot of time in Capernaum and, and those places where Jesus was. So Jesus is speaking. He's near the time of his death and, uh, and resurrection. During these chapters, he's setting them up for life without him. He's setting them up for what he's actually spent the last three years doing, training them to go and be the church. And he gives them instructions for success. And in John 15, he mentions That's right. Jesus begins by telling him that he is the true vine and that his father is the vine dresser and that we, you, we are the branches. He says some interesting things about the branches. John 15, 2, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more fruit. So fruit goes to more fruit. God gets rid of fruitless branches and prunes the fruitful ones. 2023, God's going to ask you to get rid of some of those unfruitful areas of your life. What are some of the unfruitful areas of your life? And I'll give you some branches that will never, ever bear good fruit. A faithless spirit. A give-up attitude. A victim's heart. A lazy work ethic. An unloving, judgmental demeanor. Unforgiveness. Anger. Manipulation. Repetitive sin. Complaining. Gossiping. Jealousy. Disunity. They're all branches that are going to bear bad fruit in your life. And God wants you to cut those things off. These are all things that don't bear good fruit. Cut them from your lives. He goes on and says that a fruitful tree he prunes so it can produce more fruit. So last year, the end of the year, around November time, Pastor Joe and myself went to Perth. And we went to Nations Church where Pastor Ken Lee is the Pastor, he's a great pastor, great church. He's been here, we'll be here this year at some stage. And he, he talked to us about cats and dogs and horses. Very strange. We didn't go to see the vet. We weren't going to a zoo. We were going to see a pastor about churches and he taught us about cats, dogs, horses, 
buffaloes, elephants, all these things. And what he was saying is this. He says there's many churches that don't go past a certain size because they want to keep doing the same things because they don't realise they're never going to be the next thing if they can't change. A cat will never be a dog. A dog will never be a horse. A horse will never be a buffalo. A buffalo will never be an elephant. If we want to grow as a church, we just can't try to be bigger at what we're doing. We've got to change some things. There's got to be a pruning. There's been a measure of fruitfulness, but pruning needs to happen. Change needs to happen. And at the time, it may not look that good. A pruned rose bush or a pruned grapevine doesn't look better after it's been pruned, but it gives the opportunity for more fruit to come. And what Pastor Ken was saying, instead of just trying to always be a bigger dog, it might be that you have to change some things, prune some things, so that you can go from being a cat to a dog to a horse to a so on and so forth. It's not, I'm not calling the church a dog, by the way, all right? Just if you're, you're, you're thinking anything. So if you think about this, our church, Merth Church, has stayed at around 700 different people on a Sunday throughout our services and throughout our locations for a while. So we are a good dog, right? But I believe that God wants us to be a horse. How you do church with a 1,000 people is different how you do church with 700 people. So we have to make some changes. And like the pruning of a tree, it might not look good at the time of change. It might not look like you've done the tree any favours, but by pruning and bringing that change, you bring the opportunity for growth. So over the next little while, we're going to look at some of the things that we're doing and see where some pruning needs to happen so that we can go from being a dog to a horse. So let me give you some examples of some of the things we're going to do. One example is our prayer meeting. We have a prayer meeting every Sunday from 5.15 to 5.45. It runs before the, uh, the church, runs before our uh, night service. So we need to have a look at some of those things. So one of the things we're going to do in the next little while is we're going to actually start our PM service at 5.30, which will make it easier for some young adults and some families to come. And then what we're going to do is we're going to do prayer meetings in every location during different times. So every year, all the time, there'll be different prayer meetings running in each location, which will get the whole church. You know, when I look at here, Many people aren't here at that 5.15 prayer meeting. But what happens, we get all the youth, because many times they've had a, a, a leaders meeting before then. We have all the people who are going to be here on a Sunday night. So it looks good. It's a, it's a good prayer meeting. It's a faithful prayer meeting. But I believe we can do better prayer. Yeah. And I believe we need to do better prayer. And so it might look like when we have a smaller prayer meeting here at Warner and a smaller one at Redcliffe and a smaller one at Morayfield, it might not look as good at the time as the 515 prayer meeting that we have on a Sunday night. But over time, let me tell you, that thing will grow. Yeah. More people will start to come. More people have then access to praying and, and those things. So it's a good thing when you do. It looks a bit funny. It's change. It's always, oh, why are we doing that? But it's with goal in mind because I believe we need to increase the prayer that we do at a church. Every department will be asked to run prayer meetings in their department as well because I want to increase the prayer base of the church and widen the prayer base because in the end, if we don't pray, nothing's going to happen. 
But even as a staff, we've implemented having regular prayer meetings as a staff. You would think that we would do that, but we never really did. We'd always, something's happening, come on, let's all get and pray. But now we have regular prayer meetings as a staff because prayer really, if, if you're not going to pray, everything else is just work, yeah. right? You, you understand? Prayer brings the power of God into it. Yeah. That's radical. Right? But I believe that we're going to have targeted prayer and I believe eventually you have way more people at our prayer meetings and more people able to access our prayer meeting will do much more prayer. We're going to look at how we do life groups and we're going to make them very, very important. They're going to become an engine room of our church. We've made them easier to lead. So Nina and I do all the teaching. So we do like little kind of 20, 25 minute videos and we do some teaching. Right now, we're going through the five pillars of our church, right? And so they're just things. So what happens, whether you're young adults, whether you're in Redcliffe, whether you're Morayfield or Warner, you're going to have the same teaching across the way. It makes it easier for life group leaders because sometimes we want people to run life groups and go, well, I can't run things. How do I? Oh, my goodness. And it seems like I just finished life group. Now it's on again now. And, and so we want to make it easier for people to, to, to run life groups and be life group leaders. What we've done, we've asked, Chris McNaught to actually, you know, oversee life groups, to make sure that new people are going to life groups, to, to see when we partition, to see new life group leaders come on board and, and that they feel supported. And we've asked Bernie and Rita, what are you, most people wouldn't know, you You guys stand up quickly, just stand up. We've asked Bernie, come on, let's give him a hand. They are great people. And what we've done is just ask them to come alongside the actual life group leaders, not to ask them, how many did you get to your group and have you followed up this guy and, and all the things that Chris will do, right? No, <laughs> we're going to be going like, how are you going? How are you going? So we actually care for the people who are caring for people. So they've actually got more time and ability and, and I guess room to actually care for the people that God's asking them to care for. See, we've expanded, we've done some good things, but to be honest, right, it's Warner who paid the price for it, right? It's, it's, it's Warner who, who has done that. So one of the things we announced last week was that Henrico Blackie is going to be the location leader of Redcliffe Church. So that's a great thing. You know why you should be clapping? Because that means that beautiful young lady over there is going to be here all the time. Right? That's a good thing. We put on Chris full time in the church because we need to, we understand that because we've expanded, because we've done a lot of things, because we've grown, right? That has probably been Warner that, as I said, paid the price, paid the burden for that. And now we're going to kind of remedy some of those situations, give you some bit of love and a bit of kissing. And, and he, he won't kiss everyone. He'll just kiss the Italian men, all right? That's all we'll be kissing. And Bernadette, all right? But, um, See, we want to actually. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we want to do targeted discipleship. Yes. We're going to actually train people in the areas that God has. Soon we're going to do a, a training just in the area of sound. You know, so we're going to have sound people. There's going to be targeted training in new Christians, in life group leadership, in uh, growing, in all different ways. We're going to do targeted things is going to be wonderful. We're going to have a young adult leader. So what we do right now, our youth group meets in all the locations. We put different ones over them. 
but we haven't done that with our young adults. So the young adults are going to do the same. They're going to be young adult leaders in each of the uh, locations. They're going to meet together on a regular basis, and then they'll all come together as well, on just but just on a less regular basis. So we've asked Morgan and Harry Sinners if they would look after the young adults. Why don't you guys stand up? They are great people. Morgan already does the missions for Warner, and uh, uh, Harry is always on guitar doing those things. This is a great young couple, and they'll be around. So when they come and talk to you, this, we just want to do and you can sit down. And now I'm going to make the announcement going to make everyone the happiest. I could tell us, I could tell you anything is not going to get as loud a shout as what I'm about to just tell you right now. We're getting new air con. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me tell you, I'm preaching right now. Like, it literally is just pouring down my back. We, we, we are the system that Moses used to cool the meeting of tabernacle, right? The tabernacle of meeting, it's that old, right? And we've spent thousands of dollars regularly trying to keep that thing, but it's just not working, all right? Would you agree? <laughs> it's not working as it was. And so... We were always told how much it was cost. It was always going to, you know, cost 120, 150, which is why I go. Now let's just keep spending money to work. People can wave, right? And that, but we've just had to buy the bullet. We've been able to do it for a way lot cheaper than that, and it will be ready in doing working by next Sunday. So I'm not even going to feel it, but I'm going to sense the smile. And the heart, even all the way there in Israel, is going to be good. See, pruning produces more fruit. We have to make some changes if we want to grow. So how do you go from more fruit to much fruit? John 15.5 says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah. I had a friend of mine who would always challenge me on that verse. and go, well, lots of people do stuff. There's people who have created great companies and great organizations. They knew nothing about God. Now, you can do something, but you can't produce something eternal. Yeah. That's lasting fruit. That's eternal fruit. And we want to see much fruit and we want to see eternal fruit. We can't do it without God. Getting saved makes us fruit. Getting rid of dead branches and God's pruning gives us more fruit, but it's remaining in God that gets you much fruit. It's not the pursuing of fruit that gets you much fruit. It's the pursuing of God. I think the barbecue is getting done. That's why everyone's leaving. I didn't just offend all the young people. <laughs> See, one of the curses of the modern church through social media is our ability to see the fruit of everyone else. And what happens when we start to see that fruit, we start to compare And then it's not easy to remain in God. It's like God's not really enough because look what's happening over there. God's not really enough. And so your 
tempted to not remain in God, remain in prayer, remain abiding. Tonight, Nina's going to do a great message on abiding. It's just you need to be here tonight. Right, so so what happens is that what happens is you start to look at that Instagram. You see the crowd. You you, you see something. You see the numbers. Is that you, you look at the, oh, you look at all these things, and you go, that's not as big as someone else's. It's not as big. And so what happens is that you're tempted to go and do something yourself. You're tempted to make something happen to yourself, and all of a sudden you're not producing fruit any longer. All that does is produce frustration. When I someone comes to me all frustrated with something, I always say, go back and abide in the vine for some time. Yeah. There's been something that's happened that's taken you not to remain. You step out of remaining in God and you actually need to come back and remain in God for a while because your answer is in there. Your answer isn't in the amount of fruit. Your answer is remaining in God. See, if I'm looking at fruit, I'm tempted to not rely on God. I'm tempted to, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And I want to say it's no coincidence that if you look at all my messages, they're always continually coming back to exhort you to have a strong personal relationship with God. Because to be honest, that's where fruit comes. If I'm pursuing fruit, I get exhausted, I get tired, I get depleted, and eventually I break down. There's no joy, there's no love, and eventually there's no fruit. John 15, 8 says this, By this my Father is glorified, so that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So you can read this, and it can seem to contradict what I just said. It seems to say that you prove you're a disciple of Christ by how much you achieve. It appears like achievement is the goal and that works are what God wants from you to be a disciple. See, that's not true. You have to understand what fruit is. Fruit is a result. Fruit requires no effort. There is no apple tree. Have I gone through an apple orchard? I've never listened to an apple tree going, mm, apple. Right? If you go to an orange place or somewhere like this, you will not listen, no matter how hard you listen at the tree, put a stethoscope on the tree. You will not hear the tree going, mm, right? It happens because it's an apple tree. It happens because it's an orange tree. Fruit is the result. Fruit is the result. We've got to remain in God. We have to abide in God. There's no effort for a tree to produce this fruit. Nina just was growing pineapples at our house, right? And every day I come past you and the pineapples were just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and recently we had one of the pineapples, and it was beautiful. It was nice. If you come to our house, they're natural, homegrown pineapples. And as I said, there's not a straining. Every time I go outside, go out the back, I don't see straining pineapples, right? It's what happens. It's fruit. That's why you can't work on the fruit of the Spirit. It's not a characteristic. It's a result. 
It's a result. Something happens, I show self-control. Something happens, I show love. Something happens, I show kindness. It's who you are. That's why our fruit should be the fruit of the Spirit, the result. The result. If your first task is abiding and not striving, then fruit will surely be produced. So this year isn't about working more, about striving more. This year is about abiding more, about staying close to God in his word, in worship and in prayer, in fellowship, in service. It's about developing a spiritual discipline that indeed puts God first. And then the fruit will just come because you're abiding. And God will show you how to remain in him if you allow him. He'll cut off those dead branches, those unfruitful branches. He'll prune the fruitful and will see much more fruit. John 15 gives us two keys to fruitfulness. To love one another and to lay and a willingness to lay down our wants and desires on behalf of other people. To lay our lives down for others. To be honest, that's the actual test of whether you're remaining in the vine. Your attitude to others. Your attitude when you feel offended. Your attitude when you feel overlooked. Your attitude when you're envious. Your attitude when you're annoyed. Your attitude being short-tempered or with people. You know you need to get back to abiding. See, it's my litmus test. When I'm easily irritated, I know that I haven't been abiding. Yeah. It's, just my, it's just one of those personal little litmus tests that I have. It shows the presence that I've gone out of abiding and into my flesh. And I'm not going to produce fruit. The only fruit I produce is frustration, as I said before. I love it that God gives us such an easy litmus test. But I want to say this. It's up to you how much you engage. Your fruitfulness this year will be completely determined by your deliberate, conscious decision to abide in the vine, to abide in the vine and pursue God's kingdom. Mark 4, 19 says this, But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things come in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. How much fruit you produce this year is completely in your hands. Are you going to allow the deceitfulness of riches? I love that. There's a whole sermon in just those three words. The deceitfulness of riches. Seems like it's good, but it's deceitful. It doesn't give you what you want. You always want something more. The desire for other things come in. I want to be doing this. I want to be doing that. The kingdom of God takes second place. And the cares of this world. It's real. It's funny. The cares of this world are the things that mostly something happens with your child, something happens in your workplace, something happens in your marriage. They're the things that almost always try and take you out of abiding in the vine. Yet, to be honest, in dealing with the cares of this world, those kids, those families, those emotions, those things, it's only in abiding in the vine that you will actually get through. It's amazing. The very thing that tries to take you out, the cares is, I need to care about that. It's not an uncaring thing. It's not, a, it's not something I shouldn't care about. This is something you should care about. You care about your kids. Yeah. You care about your workplace. You care about your friends. You care about the things that you care about. 
That's what you care about. It makes sense. I've got to go and do this. Yet to actually do that best, it's abiding in the vine that helps you do that. How much fruit you have in this year is in your hands. See, that's fruit to more fruit to much fruit. And now we're going to everlasting fruit. At our beginning scripture. So I started with the scripture I want to finish with. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. I believe that God has chosen us as a church, as a team, as, as locations. He's appointed us to go and produce lasting fruit. So what's lasting fruit in the kingdom? There's only one answer to that. It's people. People are the fruit that God cares about the most. You know, God says, how can you be faithful in the real riches, which is people, if you can't be faithful in the things of money? It's a big deal to God. It's a big deal to God. People is what matters to God. People, that's everlasting fruit. That is eternity. You know, I believe that in the next two years, we're going to hit 1,000 people. I believe we're going to see fruit in souls, in leaders, in disciples, and in missions. I believe that we're going to increase our, home, our, our community influence. We've just started, right, our homeless ministry in Marore Field. We're doing our night to shine. I mean, it's going to make it do. What we're going to do once a month, we're going to have Sunday fun day where you can invite people because you know we're just going to have barbecues, we're going to have bouncy cars, we're going to have different things. Just make it fun day. Make it easy for you to stand around. So one day it's going to be burgers, next time it's going to be ham and cheese toasties. But we'll be doing something along those lines, sausage sizzle, something along those lines, something vegetarian, cauliflowers, right, for others, right? So we're going to be doing all sorts of things so you can bring people. A Sunday fun day. I believe that some of our people, and this is what I want you to believe for in your own workplace, believe that you are going to be positioned by God because of your hard work, not because you just got the lucky dip, right? Right? That God's going to position you in your work into an influential spot. Right? You're going to have something to say. You know, I, I, I just believe even seeing you, Cara, there, I just... I, I believe that God's going to give you some influence in some places. You've worked so hard in so many ways, and I believe that God's going to see some fruitfulness in some of those things that you're doing. I love it. It's good. I believe that if you've got a business, believe that God's going to give you influence, right? To be able to be godly influence in different places that God can use you. You know, I believe that God's going to increase our footprint. We're going to increase our communities and hopefully there will even be other emerged churches and emerged locations. You know, uh, Easter this year is going to be excellent. Yeah. We already do great productions. Our sound and music productions is as good as any you're going to see that we did last year. But this is going to be Christ-based. This is going to be our people. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fast-moving. Yeah. It's going to be something you're so proud to bring someone to. So start thinking now, who am I going to bring? There'll be a clear gospel message. It, it, it'll be something that you are proud of that we've done as a church. I'm proud of that. I love that. You know, our youth and young adults are just doing fantastic. And, you know, Hendrico at Rankin, the people are just it's just a wonderful time. You know, Morayfield is just going just so good. 
So say it with me. No more striving, yeah. but more abiding. Yeah. Yeah. More hearing from God, more resting in God, more relying on God. Do that and fruit will come. I'm going to finish here. We're going to show you that video one more time. The video shows us that God is speaking to us, that, that the ministries that have come, and I'm, well, I got this word, at the end of last year, probably around October, and I made sure that every guest speaker we had that I never used the word fruit. Or I didn't want to say that because I didn't want to kind of put something in their head. And so God has been speaking to us. God is doing something in this house. This is something that God wants to do. It's not just me. I believe that God has been speaking to us, using the prophetic word from our visiting ministries to confirm. So I'm going to show that video and then we're going to have an item. During that item, people are going to come and they're going to hand you this strawberries. It's not a punnet because punnet has got strawberries in it. This has got lots of strawberries in it. You just can't see them. You understand? And I want you to actually plant these. And I want you to encourage people over the years in our Facebook page, right, that, that as the, you know, you just... Do the pictures of the strawberries that are there. Because this is a year of Come on, say it with some gusto. This is a year of Amen. I'll be back after the item, after the, uh, the video. God bless you. Thank you. And the Lord said, you will not lack laborers for the harvest that God has called you to reap. But I just feel right now, it's like God saying, open up your mind and heart. You've got a plan, but God's about to stretch it to make it bigger because there's incredible blessing and resource of people and finance coming to this house. It's going to be overwhelming. It's going to be not just addition, but multiplication in this next season. If people will come and have a moment with me, I will turn it into movement. And I'll take that movement and I'll turn it into momentum. And because what you have sowed, Nina and Ma, into the team and into the church as a whole, has been like great fertilizer in their lives, and now fruitfulness starts to abound. The vineyard is expanding, says the Lord. The vineyard is expanding. And you don't need to chase it, says the Lord. Because the Lord says, my purposes, promises and plans are chasing you down.